Well, how you doing? Welcome back to another episode of Just Saying Sports with Jake and Sean. I'm Jake Adnip here with Sean Dwyer. How you doing, buddy? Doing pretty well. How's your move down to Indianapolis gone? Uh, pretty good. No, just getting settled in now. Doing but, a little bit of the detail stuff. Of course. Now, there's a lot of stuff. You know, the sports world doesn't stop just because you get a new job. We got to keep on talking. Uh, the Easter Conference Finals just finished up last night. We're going to make sure that we touch on that just a little bit and tell you our initial reaction from Game 7. Um, there's another Game 7 that's going on tonight out in the Western Conference. And, you know, that's the first time there's been a couple Game 7s in the Conference Finals in over 25 years. So a little bit more to talk about in the NBA. We're going to have a very special guest. Uh, Ryan Doyle is going to join us for a Stanley Cup preview and give you his thoughts on exactly why he thinks uh, the Stanley Cup's going to be a really, really good matchup. And we're going to finish off the day with a little bit of baseball talk, go through the draft and, you know, pick a few of our favorite prospects. So without further ado, Sean, um, we're going to go right into that Game 7 Eastern Conference Finals. And I just got to ask you, I mean, how does LeBron continue to do it? I don't know. I can't honestly give you an explanation. It, last night's game, you know, Cleveland won 87-79. LeBron James, 35 points, 15 rebounds, 9 assists. Led the entire Cleveland team, you know, carried the team on his back again to win the game last night. Well, yeah, and the only thing that I saw as highlight tapes was all of these blocks that LeBron was just coming out of nowhere and saying, uh-uh, not today. So it was a defense. Offense, all of it, and once again, you know, we talked about this basically on every one of our shows that we've talked about uh, the playoffs, and man, LeBron's in his eighth consecutive NBA Finals, and does that that alone put him in the ranks of the best ever? Yes and no. Yes, it puts him in the ranks of being one of the best ever. By getting to eight in a row, but I don't think it necessarily makes him the best ever. ever. Because different things lead to different stuff happening. And LeBron, you know, can't really control what the rest of the team does once he makes the finals. And, you know, getting there is one only half the battle. You know, he's got to finish the job. Well, and it's, you know, it still perplexes me as to, with the type of team that he has, how he's been able to pull pull it out and be able to get back to the finals and, you know, I think like, it's like what you said, it's going to really matter how his team shows up in the finals. And if they play defense like they did in that game seven, um, you know, they'll have a better fighting chance. But if it's against one of these high-powered offenses in the Warriors and the Rockets, you know, I know 87 points ain't going to cut it. and You're not going to hold them to 79 points. I know that for a fact. Um, so it's going to be a bit different challenge for Cleveland going into the finals. But, you know, I'm, I'd you have to do nothing but respect LeBron and the Cavaliers for what they were able to do, come back from down 2-0 against Boston and uh, really steal one. Yeah, and you got to remember they were also down in that series to Indianapolis, the Pacers, and, you know, they kind of – they led the whole series and swept Toronto, but this has been an easy path to the finals for LeBron as it has been in the past. You know, some teams have started to put up more of a fight But yeah, and he's he's been the king of that Eastern Conference for so long now. You know, I really do wish there was another team that could come in and do something about it. But with him around, I guess it's 
through LeBron is for a championship, and if you, that's about it. But you know, it's about it's about that cut and dry. Yeah, but I think you know, going forward, you know, you look at one of the teams that I think is going to eventually dethrone Cleveland. I think Boston is that team. Um, you know, they came up short in Game Seven last night, and I think the reason why is I think Jason Tatum's going to turn into one heck of a ball player. You know, eighty games in the regular season, he averaged thirteen point nine points, five rebounds, one point six assists. 19 games in the playoffs, you know, he upped that scoring average about five points a game and kind of the other numbers stayed where they were. But, you know, when the lights turned on and the playoffs started, Jason Tatum turned into a definite player for the Boston Celtics to look forward to in the future. Yeah, you kind of took the words out of my mouth. I wanted to ask you, you know, what could Boston take out of this series? And all I think of is that they have such a good young core group of guys who just did what they did. But imagine if they were at 100% with Gordon Hayward and Kyrie. And you know Gordon Hayward's not going to come back at the same clip after his injury. And Kyrie's been a little shaky on the injury front because he just can't seem to stay healthy. So, you know, if they take this time off to kind of swallow this pill that was hard for all these young guys to bear, I think they'll be able to actually make it another, uh, another round next year and go to the finals and dethrone LeBron, like you said. So I think it just is a matter of time and – we'll see what happens in free agency because I think that the Eastern Conference might get bolstered at the end of the season. Yeah, the Eastern Conference is definitely not going to be the same, you know, given what LeBron does in free agency and all the other teams. Of course. Now, Ben, now let's just take a touch over to the West. Uh, just a quick question. You know, we're going into game seven. No Chris Paul. Uh, the Warriors haven't looked the best, but they, you know, they look like they're the favorite. What do you think um, will happen? I got the Warriors winning this one, 110 to 105. Okay, so it'll be a close one. Uh, we're not going to touch much into that game because that game is going on um, the day that we are recording our podcast, which would be Memorial Day. Um, would like to mention uh, Happy Memorial Day to everybody. Uh, thank you to all of our troops who have served in the past, who are serving now. Um, without you guys, nothing we do would be possible. So want to tra- shout out to all of our troops. Thank you very much. Now we're going to scooch on into our segment and bring in a friend of ours. Uh, Sean and I had the pleasure to have uh, Ryan Doyle on with us, and we're going to go ahead and get him in here right now. So we'll be back in just a second. Alrighty, welcome back. We're going to go ahead and get started with our Stanley Cup preview this week. With us, is jo- joining us is Ryan Doyle. Go ahead and say hello, Ryan. What up? So uh, we got a few questions for him. He's going to break down, obviously, the Golden Knights and the Capitals going into the uh, Stanley Cup finals here. So, Sean, you got some questions for him. Go ahead and take it away. All right, yeah, we're just going to start off right away. First question, who do you got winning in the series? I actually got the Capitals in six. Capitals wild cards. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who do you think wins the Consulate Trophy? I think regardless of either team winning, I think Mark Andre Fleury is going to be taking home this Consulate Trophy pretty easily. Yeah, and he would be the second goalie to win it without uh, his team winning the Stanley Cup series, with uh, J.S. Jaguar winning it years ago with Anaheim, correct? Yes, and he's just been phenomenal. He's been carrying that Vegas team 
he's just doing what they did, what they drafted him for. All right, getting into a little bit more of a question about hockey in general. Is it good for the NHL if Las Vegas wins the series? Uh, there are good and bad parts. Obviously, for the rest of the league, the rest of the GMs, it probably looks pretty bad that a first-year team, first-year – well, not first-year GM, but just like a first-year team coming in and just winning the Stanley Cup probably makes you all look pretty bad. But as far as the league, I mean, it's Vegas. That's like a big market – a lot of hype, media attention. So I think for the popularity of the sport, having a first-year team like Vegas winning would probably do the league pretty good. Yeah, of course. You know, Las Vegas winning the Stanley Cup with pretty much a team of cast-offs. Um, yes, the Misfits, the Golden Misfits. Yeah, I, I definitely think if they win, like like uh, Ryan said, all that does is create more hockey fans. There's a whole city of untapped potential of fans out in Vegas, and now they have a team to root for. They're the first professional team out there. All the money that's coming in, so many people had nobody to look forward to, and that's bringing a spark back to hockey. And if you look at their crowd, they're, they're just absolutely crazy. It is a great environment. It's loud. It's not a fun place to play, according to all the players. So it's just... They, they picked up the sport of hockey really well. Yeah, and then follow it up, do you think they can continue the success into next year? Yeah, uh, they built the – I mean, the team that they built was long-term, with long-term plans. I don't think they necessarily expected to do be where they're at right now. They acquired pieces to be good long-term, and it's paid dividends, obviously. Yeah, you know, they made, they made a trade during the – you know, Thomas Tatar from – the Red Wings, but I don't think outside of that, they didn't really make any other moves outside of the expansion draft. Yeah, no, I think they made one other move, but yeah, not any huge pieces were so, yeah. acquired. Yeah, they've this this is the same team that they and uh, Thomas Tatar has been a healthy scratch actually for a lot of the playoffs. So that trade hasn't even really helped them at all. He had one good goal, I think, uh, in the uh, what is it against Winnipeg? I think he had a good goal, but uh, other than that. It's just been their drafted team. So, you know, going back to, you know, one of the teams that is in the finals, Washington Capitals, you know, they finally make it back to the finals after a long, long time of not making it into the playoffs with deep runs. You know, Alexander Ovechkin's always had that kind of Peyton Manning stigma around him of not really able getting it, being able to get it done in the playoffs. You know, what have they done differently this year that's gotten them to the finals? Well, they made it past the second round for the first time since Alex Ovechkin has uh, been in the league, which uh, it, it was just kind of getting over that hump, getting past the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, Ovechkin has just been playing out of his mind. They've got they've got the team surrounding him to do it. Holtby, outside of a few games in that Tampa Bay series, has been phenomenal. Uh, yeah, it, they've just finally gotten past the hump. I think it was just a big stigma there, and I, they're pretty committed. They went out in game the end of game six and game seven against Tampa and made a statement. So besides Alex Ovechkin, which obviously, like you said, he's been on fire throughout the playoffs, but besides Alex Ovechkin, who else on the Capitals should we be watching out for throughout the Stanley Cup Finals? Well, Evgeny Kuznetsov is actually leading the uh, playoffs in points, so he's been tearing it up. you got to watch out. That first line with Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, and uh, Tom Wilson always stirs up trouble for every team. Uh, Nicholas Backstrom's line with TJ Oshie, and they've been kind of flip-flopping the third player on that line a little bit. But uh, that line is usually their shutdown line, so they're going to be throwing that line up against uh, Vegas' top line, which is Marchessault, 
Riley Smith and Wild Bill Carlson. So that's their shutdown defensive line. And uh, Nicholas Backstrom is probably the most underrated player in the uh, in the league, I think. And then uh, Braden Holpe has just been playing out of his mind. Not not quite Mark Andre Fleury standards, but he's gotten the job done. He's went out there. He's made statements. Got a shutout in Game Seven against Tampa, which probably has the best offensive lineup in the league. So, yeah, you kind of you kind of led me into my next question was. You know, in the battle of the goaltenders, I mean, obviously, I, you got the Caps winning, but what do you what do you think is going to go down here? What, who do you got, you know, coming on top in the battle of the goaltenders? Uh, I think Flurry's still going to shine, but I think the Caps, they just pepper goalies with shots. I think, and then the Capitals' defense, I think, has the edge on Vegas by a little bit, in my opinion. But I think Flurry's still going to play phenomenally. Uh, I think Washington still wins. And Fleury's still going to look like the better goaltender. He's just been unreal. Yeah, and so we're just to finish up here. You know, I got to ask you this because you know, based off of us being where we're from, um, the Detroit Red Wings, you know, missed the playoffs again this year and kind of not looking like the team of old. Um, where do you think they're headed with their future, and how long before we can start talking about uh, Red Wings playoff hockey again? Honestly, this off season, I feel like so far they have made every move you don't want them to make. Uh, I feel like finishing, what is it, bottom five, six in the league? They finished bottom five, yeah. That's the perfect time to have a clean front office. That's the time where you clean up and start a, start new. Ken Holland, you, you kind of look at him, you kind of have to ask yourself, what has he done since, uh, since the salary cap even got put in? Uh, he's not made very many good moves. I mean, that Thomas Tatar trade, I guess you could look at that right now and say we got away with quite a steal there. The Pavel Datsuk contract dump, well, that was great, but you didn't really help the team outside of opening up a little bit of salary cap. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I don't have a lot of faith in the next couple of years. Until, the, until they finally own up to you know, changing tides, they really haven't switched up their front office. They need some fresh faces, some new scouting, new GM, and probably a new coach because that goes hand in hand. All right. Thank you, Ryan, very much for joining us today. And thank you very much. We'll talk to you probably later about anything else that comes up with hockey-related stuff. So, Jake? Yeah, thanks so much. We're going to go and head on into our next segment. All right. Thank you, guys. All right, once again, we would like to thank Ryan for coming on and joining us to talk a little bit of hockey. As Sean said, we'll like to keep him in the loop. And if you guys, uh, you know, like him, let us know. We'll make sure that we bring him back on and uh, talk more hockey when, I guess, next season rolls around. So, Sean, just to kind of wrap up today's show, we got, you know, the Major League Baseball draft coming up here soon. And I know you're pretty dug deep in these prospect systems uh we're actually going to be having another farm system update or not update but breakdown coming out soon so make sure you guys keep a lookout for that uh sean will be breaking down what is it the chicago white Sox and the st louis cardinals yep that's it all right so make sure you guys keep a lookout for that but before we get into that i wanted to make sure sean asked you you know who do you think are the top three guys to go in this year's draft um, I know Tigers got the number one pick, but 
You know, wh- wh- who do you see going where and why? Well, you know, the Detroit Tigers have the top pick, the San Francisco Giants have the second pick, and the Phillies have the third pick. And the reason that I'm cutting it off at three teams is because I only really see three guys as being the top, you know, prospects in the draft. You know, once you start getting past three, you start getting into possible high school guys. That stuff kind of gets really interchangeable past three. But I think there's only three top guys in this year's draft, and one of them is a above the other two, and that's Casey Mize, uh, right-handed pitcher from Auburn. I think the Tigers take hit with the first pick in this year's draft. Just based off Detroit's history of taking pitchers number one overall with their drafts, and that he can contribute pr- pretty soon to this Tigers team that is looking for more impact arms. And you can't get any more NLB ready as a college pitcher than Casey Myers. You know, you look at it for his career, he pitched uh, 247.2 innings. And in those innings, he only walked 37 batters and struck out 301. And so yeah, the, about as good as you can, you can ask for it. Yeah, that strikeout to walk ratio is outstanding for a college pitcher. Um, his ERA of 2.80 over three years, that's pr- amazing too. The win-loss record, 19 and 11, it's a little bit skewed. Um, win-loss records are always, you know, a lot of people don't buy into them as much as they used to with pitchers. But when you look at the – this is the number that I look at most pitchers is the walks and hits per innings pitch. His whip for three years was .957. So that means there's not even a base runner on every single inning, which is very, very impressive. Exactly. Um, but let me got, ask you this question, Sean. Uh, yes. If they if if they were to bring in Casey, do you think they would see it as a remedy for Justin Verlander leaving? Do you think that this is supposed to be the next franchise guy, or do you think that this is a type of draft and this is a type of year that is just like, no, we got to get the best available? I think this is more of a best player available, and it just so happens to be a pitcher that will be stepping in within within two years. Will be in the major leagues. Um, I think it's more of just whatever's available and being this is guy is a once in a while kind of talent to have. And you know, Detroit doesn't expect to be picking one one every year. So you gotta get this guy while you have a chance to. Of course. Now who do you have uh sitting in the second slot? Uh I have Joey Bart. He's a catcher from Georgia Tech. Um this year, past year, his junior year, he hit three fifty nine with 16 home runs, 38 RBIs. Um, and I think that the San Francisco Giants take him because, you know, Buster Posey's not getting any younger there, catching for him. And Joy Bart is another guy that could be up to the majors within one to two years. And so that kind of makes them looking forward. Buster Posey moves over to first, and you can try and get a younger guy back behind the plate who can hit. You know, Joy Bart, he's a very good hitter. He's very, very good defensively, too. You know, looking at some of his numbers from college, you know, he's throwing guys out. In his career, he was 31 for 80, you know, 38%. It's not terrible for a catcher. And, of course. Know, he gets in front of lots of balls. He's got – he can frame pitches, which is the new thing in Major League Baseball. And he's got a he's got a body that's kind of built for catching, you know, a big frame guy, 6'3", 225. I think he can catch for a long time in the Major Leagues. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those positions that just like they've had Buster Posey for as long as they have, 
you know, being consistent and MVP level status from that catcher position, they know what it's worth having somebody at that upper echelon of that that job. So, yeah, yeah who do you think is sliding in at number three then? Uh, number three, I have Alec Baum, a third baseman from Wichita State. Um, this past year, he hit 339 with 16 home runs and 55 RBIs. And what gets me about this guy is I think he, if the Tigers don't take Casey Myers one, I think they take Bomb, just because you know he's a he's a so much raw potential guy. He, he's six five two forty. He walks more than he strikes out, which is not something that's very common anymore with a power hitter. And he you know, he's a pull heavy guy, so that kind of might take a little bit of the shine off of him. Be going one one. Also, there's the fact that he's not a very strong defensive third baseman. But, you know, for the Tigers, that works out great because, you know, Miguel Cabrera is not going to be sticking around at first base for a long time. First base. But, you know, the thing with Alec Baum is he's a very, very polished hitter. You know, that's what's gotten him this far up into the most draft boards is he's a professional-ready hitter right now. And some people think he could slide into a major league lineup, you know, within two years. And so that's what you're really looking for at the top of major league draft is trying to get those guys that can make this biggest impact as possible as soon as possible. Definitely. And if you don't, you know, you don't plan for five years in the future when it takes that long to try to even put out a plan. So exactly. We're going to go ahead and wrap this up once again. We always like to say thank you for listening. Uh, If you like us, please share, subscribe, uh, favorite on all the major streaming platforms. Uh, We're available on uh, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, and a few more, but there's more being added all the time, so make sure you keep a lookout for us. And if you like us, uh, make sure you let us know. Tell us if there's any uh, suggestions you have for content or any questions you might have that you'd like to have answered. So once again, happy Memorial day, Uh, Sean, thank you for joining me today after your move down to Indianapolis. No problem. Of course. Now, as always, I'd like to say thank you for listening to just saying I'm Jake Atnip. I'm Sean DeWire. Have a great rest of your week.